Have you ever heard the saying that something's got to give? Now for you, maybe it's that uh, one full cabinet in the kitchen that can't take one more Starbucks coffee cup. Maybe that's just my house. Maybe it's that one closet in your home that you hope to the good Lord in heaven nobody opens. You'll never get everything back in there, right? Or maybe during this series you've realized that it is a spiritual door that is in your life that keeps on getting open and something has to give because it's affecting the rest of your life. Where is it for you? Where is it for your life that something has to give? First, I'd like to start this weekend out by closing up a controversy that broke out when I talked two weeks ago on greed. There was a really in-depth theological debate that broke out everywhere that I went, and I want to go ahead and put it to sleep right now. There's a picture that's going to come up, and I just want to make it very clear. These are dress pants, okay? <laughs> These are dress pants. I know it's a real issue for some of you guys, and I will pray for deliverance. Those are dress pants. There's no reason to hate on my generation because we've innovated and put a little bit of room in that waistband, okay? Listen, when it comes, when it says, to, hey, I got to amen there. Listen, when, when it comes to something has to give, sometimes it's in the waistband, okay? So something's got to give, all right? Now that we can close the door on that discussion, all right, and lock it, their dress pants, I'll give you dress joggers, but that's as far as I'm going, all right? One of our campus pastors said it looks like the dress pants he puts on his baby, like it's dress pants, but they still tie. And uh, Promessed FA is looking for a new campus pastor, I'll tell you that. Um, if I could speak Spanish, man, he'd be, no, I'm just joking. I can't. Um, but hey, now we're going to close and lock the door on another deadly door that the devil wants to use to access our life. If you're following along in a Bible this weekend or on your Bible app, go ahead and go to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. And we're going to open the door to a moment in history where one of the greatest biblical heroes, one of my heroes, who is, the name, who is named the prophet Elijah. Elijah, he's amazing. It's a great story to read with you and your family. He's fresh off one of the coolest, most courageous victories in the whole Bible. Elijah literally just prayed fire down from heaven. That's where he's at. He just prayed fire down from heaven in an all-out, like all-time show-up-and- showdown between God and his enemies. And maybe that's you. Maybe life is nothing but W's right now. Maybe life is great and your marriage is great and, and you, your, your family's doing good. Maybe you're a student and you just came off of one conference and, and things are going well. Your grades are good. Your, your friends are doing Your relationships are good. But even when things are going well, a lot of times it feels like, man, something's got to give. Can it stay this way? Or you, maybe you're like Elijah. And even though some good things have happened in your life, they're over now. They're done. They're finished. And right now you just feel tired. Maybe you feel just consistently bummed out. Maybe you feel alone and it just feels like, man, something's got to give. Well, hey, there's good news this weekend, and I cannot wait for us to walk in the freedom that God has for us. I'm telling you, I'm so fired up about what God's going to do this weekend. But before we go further, I just want to say, hey, welcome home. No matter how long you've been here, if this is your first time, if you've been here for years, we just want to say that our door is always open to you. We love you so much. Faith Promise, we're excited to be in church this weekend at all of our campuses. <laughs> we're so excited. Hey, just to celebrate, I believe uh, Pastor Lisa at GBB told me there were 17 baptisms at one of our campuses, GBB, um, this weekend. Amazing. 
All month long, we've been closing the doors to the, the, the doors that the enemy wants to use to access our life, like unforgiveness and anger, sexual immorality, greed, pride, violence, all these things the devil wants to use to access our life. And actually, I want to give you a quiet time tip. Maybe you're looking, hey, you're not sure what to do in your time with God. Here's a great thing to do. Hey, save the links, save the link to these videos. Save the link. If one of these have really hit with you, maybe sexual immorality or pride or greed, save that. And when you're not sure what to do in your quiet time, go and watch that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, now I'm a pastor. I get to do this, but I'll spend probably an hour and a half, two hours with God every day. But I still listen to two to three sermons a week. The reason I do that is because these deadly doors, they're not the kind of doors that you close and lock one time, but they're doors that we come back and we check on because our enemy is always pushing. He's always pressing. He's always pressuring these doors so that he can get what the Bible calls a foothold that we do not want to let him have in our life, in our marriages, in our relationships. And so this weekend... Just like the weekend so far, we are going to respond. Can I ask you, can I challenge you, have you responded? Maybe unforgiveness and anger is an issue. Have you started journaling the things you're grateful for and giving those to God? Maybe during the greed message you realize, man, you're not tithing. You're not being generous. Is that a step that you need to take? Maybe it's just consistent time in God's word and prayer. Can I just tell you, I believe in you. And more importantly, God believes in you. And the best days of this church and God's church around the world are ahead because the best days in your life are ahead. Does anybody believe that? Does anybody believe their best days are ahead? <laughs> so this weekend, we are going to lock the enemy out of something in our life that is massive. And not just our life. I've been praying all week that what God does this week, it would not just happen in our life, but the lives of people all around us, that we would go and help other people experience freedom. So let's take this time before God and ask him to do what only he can do. God, we come before you, God, with so much anticipation. God, I'm desperate to see you move. Uh, there, there has been a spirit of depression and anxiety that has so affected our communities, our families, our kids, our schools, our teachers, our politicians, all this stuff. And we just pray for freedom. You are the Lord of this land. You are the Lord of our hearts, God. And we just pray for a breakthrough. We pray for a breakthrough in our life. We pray for a breakthrough in our ministry. We pray for a breakthrough in, in what we're called to do. God, that we would put the helmet of salvation on our heads so tight. We wouldn't hear the lies and the rumor of depression and anxiety, but we would hear the freedom and the consistency that we've been bought with a price. God, we love you so much. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I mean, can you feel it? Can you feel that pushing, that tension, that pressure, that stress? pressing and bending on, on the breaking points of your life, the spiritual doors in your life. Listen, more now than ever, mental health has become a focus, not just for non-Christians, but for Christians as well. Something we're looking at, something that we are focusing on. Did you know this? Just so that we can get how, how serious this is. Did you know that the four weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that's four weeks, that there's as many suicides in those four weeks than the other 48 weeks of the year. Just in those four weeks, there's just as many suicides as the rest of the year. Why is that? That should be a time where right our doors are more open than ever. 
It should be a time where we're more prepared than ever, right, to, to see God's joy in our life. Why is that? It's predominantly associated with depression and anxiety. I'm telling you, listen, when, even when I say the word depression and anxiety, there's just this, ah, there's this tension. There's this distraction. There's this, there's this pressure we feel. It's because the enemy is using it to destroy our world. We feel it because we feel the impact on our life, people we love, and on our world. But listen, something's got to give. And listen, I've got good news this weekend. That something that has to give does not have to be you. And hey, biblically, it shouldn't be you. You're going to have victory. You're going to walk in victory. And you're going to help other people do the same. Today, we are going to secure the deadly door of depression and anxiety in a way that only God can. And first what I want to do is I, I want to get just a feeling for how much demonic pressure and pressing is on our lives, our kids, and on the world around us. Listen to these stats. You know that one out of nine people are on antidepressant medication. That's up 300% annually. And hey, just before the enemy tries to trigger somebody, there are chemical imbalances. There's people, hey, that, 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 that that's the case. I'm not saying go and throw away all that stuff. I'm not saying ignore what your doctor says. I'm not saying that. But I am asking you this weekend to press on what the Holy Spirit asked you to do. Okay? One out of nine people. That's a 300% increase. In 2020, the mental health hotline received 900% increase in calls. Hey, think about this. During the pandemic, church attendance went down. But yet, the mental health hotline calls increased by 900%. This isn't a time where we're talking about getting back to pre-COVID numbers. This should be a time where it's like, hey, we need to launch like 10 campuses. Hey, how do we handle 900% more people? Because our world needs it. You know, one out of four people under the age of 30 have contemplated suicide. But this isn't something just for our students and for our young adults. You know that one out of 10 of people over the age of 30 have contemplated suicide. One out of five people struggled with anxiety last year. I'm telling you, something's got to give. And I think when we look around, we can see the effects of depression and anxiety. But maybe these facts open the door to your life, emotions in a new way. Maybe for the first time, when it comes to this, you feel seen. Right? Maybe you're surprised at how real this is. Maybe you realize you're not alone and you're not. Maybe you're filled with a righteous frustration that Christians and our world has fallen prey to this trap door that the enemy has set. But hey, this shouldn't be surprising to us. Listen, this pushing, this pressing, this pressing, what the enemy wants to do, this is what he's done for a long time. It's time for us to push back. It's time for us to push the devil out of these doors in our life. And you know what else it's time to do? It's time for us to visit the doors in the lives of our friends and our families, and evict him there too. It's time to start asking people. I asked my, my wife and my kids this, hey, what are you thinking about? When we're just sitting there, hey, what are you thinking about? What's going on up there? And I'm telling you, me, me and my wife, maybe it's something you want to practice. We, we just apologize to each other. I called her the other day, and I can tell she's mad at her kids, okay? They're my kids sometimes, mostly hers. She's mad at her kids, and she yelled at me. And I was like, hey, hey. I actually, I didn't say anything. I just got off the phone as quickly as I could. But no, she calls me back five minutes later. She's like, hey, babe, I'm so sorry. It's, it's, I wasn't mad at you. It was just a, it was just a, 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 bad, a bad moment. I'm so sorry. 
earlier or later on that week, I had to call her. I said, hey, babe, you know, I, 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 really, I really want more intimacy this week. Married people, you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all have your kids in here, so I'm, I'm being PG. I needed it. Badly. We'll move on. <laughs> I called her. I could have just kept that to myself and just got on Instagram and lingered until I fell in sin. I called and said, hey, babe, I'm so sorry. I'm sexually frustrated, and I'm not being honest. I'm not pursuing you like I need to. I'm so sorry. I'm going to fix that. Why would I do that? I don't want to give him a foothold. Why would I do that? I don't want to believe a lie of the enemy. I don't want to walk down a road that God doesn't have for me. And so I'm telling you, you may think, Zach, how am I supposed to set this stuff up? How am I supposed to live in freedom? Hey, sometimes it's only an invitational way. Let's check out this video from a promiser who's experienced freedom. Uh, my name is John. I am a teacher in Anderson County, and uh, this is my story. So it kind of starts out a little bit of in a darker place in my life. I was in a place where things weren't really working out for me too well. I was in school, I was doing an internship, I was working towards becoming a teacher. Just for years there had been just something just not right. I was going along and I was getting by in things, but there was a lot of unhappiness going on in my life. And I just kept having this mantra in my head that I don't need anything, I can do this, I've got this. Uh, but there was just something, something lingering that just wouldn't go away. And so, um, one day I had a friend who invited me actually to Faith Promise, just she had seen that I was in kind of a bad way in my life and um, just kind of asking me if I would come to her baptism. So I agreed to come to her baptism. I think Pastor Chris uses the line, you know, we want people to want some of this. And I just had that feeling. I was like, I want some of that. That's, that stuff seems pretty good. It seems silly, but I started small. There's little things it's like, you know, God, please let me have let me be happy today, let me have a good day. Then I started asking for bigger things or you know, praying for bigger things. You know, When those bigger and bigger things just kept happening, that's really kind of where things started to shift. So one day I decided to get saved and you know, ask Jesus into my heart. And uh, it was just a pretty powerful moment in my life just to be able to ask for that, you know, ask for that help. You know, I think within the prayer for whenever I was getting saved, I said, I can't do this on my own. And to finally say that, and understand that I can't do this on my own. I need something, I need help. Um, it was just something really powerful uh, in my life. And I'll never forget um, my friend who actually invited me to church for the first time. Whenever I got finally got baptized, she sent me the video of my baptism. And at the line where I was put underwater, the worship team was singing, you are free. And that's something that's always stuck with me is that at this moment, just perfectly timed, you are free. And that's something that I've tried to keep in mind, keep in my heart as I go along throughout my day, anytime I have doubts, just knowing that I am free, that I've been set free. So in the past, I had all these thoughts and all these inclinations that I wasn't good enough for things and I could go at things alone and maybe perhaps I don't deserve certain things, maybe don't deserve some things that made me happy in my life. And I think that now my belief has shifted, you know, I've kind of tried to flip those ideas that, you know what, you might not be able to go it alone, but that's not a bad thing. You've got people, that means that's a good thing. It means you've got people with you. You've got an army of people here to be with you. This idea that I'm not good enough and I don't deserve certain things and just understanding that, you know what? God wants everything good for me. Just switching that mindset from, you know, the devil mentality if I'm not good enough and I can be alone to, you know what? Let's, let's get some people around me and you know what? God thinks you're good enough and so that's good enough.
Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for sharing your story, John. But did you hear how he described that something's got to give? Something lingering, he said. Something that wouldn't go away. I can't do this on my own. I need, I need help. But that's actually where we find Elijah in that 1 Kings 19 passage. In verse 3, Elijah said, I was afraid and ran for my life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Listen, when something's got to give like it did in Elijah's life, what did Elijah do? He opened the door, sent his servant out, his friend out, and locked him on the wrong side and went at it alone. Listen, locking people out separates you from your greatest strengths. Locking people out of your life separates you. And listen, the devil knows this. The devil knows that biblically we go up to God for forgiveness and we go to each other for healing. He knows that. It says in James 5, 16, listen to this. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And that's why when we say it's so hard to pray, it's so hard to pray for my spouse, it's so hard to pray for my kids, it's so hard to pray with somebody I just met. Why? Because the devil knows that scripture better than we do. He believes it more than we So, I mean, he's going to put every lock he can in front of us praying because it's powerful and it's effective. Elijah left his servant. He isolated himself. During the pandemic, we called it social distancing. What we really probably needed is physical distancing, right? We need our social connections more than ever. And can I encourage you, man of God, woman of God, or the lost world out there that doesn't know Jesus, they need social connections with believers so they can get connected to God. Listen, the first problem that we find in Scripture with Adam and Eve, it wasn't sin. It was solitude. It was isolation. When God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone. If you're alone, you're in trouble. And hey, something's got to give. And most likely, most of the time, the thing that has to give is when you'll be alone and your ability to think clearly and objectively is not as strong. Elijah, he was motivated by fear of Jezebel. After he had just prayed fire down from heaven, after he had faced 850 prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth, he was still got alone and left. He was so discouraged. Can I tell you this? Listen, discouragement is huge. It's, it's really that door into depression, anxiety. Discouraged people are oftentimes lonely people. Don't let the enemy lock people out and separate you. We were meant to be in group. We were meant to serve together. We were meant, it's one of our greatest strengths. Elijah was using the wrong lock. The wrong deadbolt will leave you depressed. The wrong lock will leave you anxious. Elijah used the wrong lock. Listen, in verse 4, it said, while he went a day's journey alone, went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Right? The, the suicide is, is massive. It's out of control. This man of God is praying that God would take his life. He said, I've done enough, Lord. <clears throat> he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Listen, maybe the reason the deadly door of depression and anxiety keeps getting open in our life is because we're using the enemy's security system. Maybe we are believed the lie that he told us when we were young, when we were hurt, and we've grabbed a hold of it. Elijah believed the lie that he had to be better. He said, I'm no better. But hey, who told Elijah he had to be better? Nobody. 
Elijah told Elijah that. But he grabbed all that lie and it made him want to kill himself. Remember what John said in the video. He said, this idea that I'm not good enough. How many of us feel that I'm not good enough? That is a lie from the enemy. You probably got to write down today. You got to probably put it at the cross because that cross says that you are good enough. That cross says it's your treasure, not trash. That cross says you're a contributor, not a consumer. That cross says you're a son or a daughter of the Most High King. That's who Jesus says we are. Think about this. Our society right now, me, you, we are so narcissistic and insecure at the same time. That's a dangerous place to be. Something's got to give. For Elijah, for me, for you, comparison is the thief of joy. Let me teach you something new today. It's going to help with depression and anxiety. And maybe a term you've heard, selective ignorance. We are ignorant of nothing now. With social media, the internet, all this stuff, we weren't, mean, we weren't meant to take in this much comparison. We weren't meant to take in this much, this much content, this much, all of this stuff. What will you be selectively ignorant about? Maybe if you're of a certain generation, you need to be selectively ignorant of politics. Maybe if you're of a certain generation, you need to be selectively ignorant of social media, of certain friends. What is it in your life that fosters the lies the enemy tells you? For Elijah, in verse 9, it says, There he went into a cave and spent the night. So the word of the Lord came to him like it's coming to us today. And he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Elijah said, I've been so very zealous, Lord, God Almighty. I've been zealous. But the Israelites, those people have rejected your covenant torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. He is in the throes of depression, the throes of anxiety. Hey, don't get stuck in the revolving door of the same thoughts. This is huge for depression and anxiety. Every time a thought comes back around and we've made no progress on that thought, on that forgiveness, on letting it go, we get more tired. We get more spiritually and relationally disoriented, and we get into a very dangerous place. Something's got to give. Listen, we only make it worse by circling around to the same thoughts, the same thoughts, and never making progress. I've read this quote to you before, and it's huge. 95% of our emotions are determined by our self-talk. Now, right now, our counselors, we have a lot going on, and we will do our best to get you in as soon as possible. If you need prayer, if you need counseling, write it down that communication card at every campus and we will contact you. But at the end of this service today, there'll be pastors up front, there'll be prayer partners up front, and we want to partner with you because you know what? I don't know about you, but a lot of times I'm my worst counselor. I am my worst counselor. I got other people get in this. Elijah counseled himself, lied to himself, said he was the only one, said they had torn down all God's altars. Those things weren't true. But he believed him so deeply, he was ready to take his own life. If you are ruminating, then you are not processing pain well. You know what ruminating is? It's where a cow eats some grass, which was gross the first time, swallows it, throws it back up in its mouth, chews on it, swallows it, throws it back up in its mouth, chews on it, Swallows it, throws it. How many of us are doing that with our thoughts, our pains, our habits? And it's just as disgusting as what the cow's doing. 
I really do. I pray. You, if y'all knew the stuff I prayed over you, super weird. I pray you taste it in your mouth. The next time that your day's being ruined by something that happened five years ago. I pray you feel it. I, feel, I pray you feel it. This is not God's best for me. Hey, God's word is the breath of life. Not the throw up pain that you felt. And I'm not saying you have experienced pain. I'm not saying you have experienced loss. But I am saying our God's a restorer. I am saying our God's a healer. See, what I love is that God actually never answered Elijah's questions. God gave Elijah a new assignment. Have you ever compared the joy that you have with the vision that you carry out? God has put a vision. God has put an assignment on your life. And if you don't have any joy, maybe you're not carrying out the assignment that you were designed to. God gave Elijah people to anoint. There's a guy in history named Victor Frankel. This is, this is massive. This is so big. I love whenever, uh, when mankind stumbles upon like God's truths, right? And they, they, either way, that's, that's another sermon. But Victor Frankel, he's a Holocaust survivor, right? And when he got out of the concentration camp, he started counseling people who got out of the concentration camp. And he studied and he studied, and he came up with something called logotherapy, logotherapy. And it's the, it's the practice of finding meaning or finding callings that bring meaning. What he found is that pleasures do not bring meaning to life. Instead, they exist to numb the lack of meaning in life. What Viktor Frankl found is that we need three things to come out of anxiety. I mean, I'm telling you, being in a concentration camp, that'd be some depression and anxiety, wouldn't it? He said that there's three things that we need, and they're all biblical. He said, first, we need meaningful work. Something that brings meaning to your existence. God brought that to you. Two, he said we need a community to do it with. That's why we have groups. That's why we serve together. Meaningful work, a group to do it with. And to take the suffering, here we go, to take the suffering that you've experienced and turn it for good around you. Romans 8, 28, God does not waste pain. God does not waste trauma. He's called you to use it to further his kingdom. I know, I, you can go and give God some praise, it's good. And I'm not telling you you're not hurt. Please don't, please don't let the enemy use what I'm saying to minimize your pain. <clears throat> Hear what I'm saying to maximize God's grace in it. That's actually, we're, we're changing something at Faith Promise. Next steps will be on Sunday night from 6 to 8 with dinner, with time. And the reason is because we want to focus time for our staff and for our leaders to pour into your purpose. For you to have meaningful work, a community, and a place to manifest healing in the pain that you've walked through. So if you've never been the next steps tonight, it starts tonight at 6 o'clock at all of our campuses. We want to serve you. We want to help you. We, your, your potential, your purpose is our passion. So we need meaningful work. We need a group to do it with. And then we need to use whatever pain that we've walked through for God's calling in our life. One more thing that I want to encourage you we need, and then we're going to respond. All of us are going to respond. we got to learn to pray. It's not some spiritual, churchy thing. Prayer is talking with God. You know, we, here's, here's what I've been thinking about, and we're, we're going to do a series on it to better equip us, but we need to pray where we put aside these things we're struggling with on earth. It's not what we're thinking about. Also, the spiritual attacks that we've got going on, greed or lust or, or whatever it might be, we put those away too. And we elevate up into God's presence where the only thing that matters is that he loves us and we are his. 
whenever I raise up into that posture and I raise up and I close my eyes, and I, if I'm just honest with you, I just sit in his presence. If you come into my office at 7.30, I'm laying on the ground. No, no question. I'm laying on the ground in his presence. And you know what? I say, God, I'm your son. God, you love me. I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm justified. I'm called. I have meaningful work. This is what you call me to do. And when I stand up, the financial issues, the relational issues, they're just not that big anymore. And I can stand in them. And the anxiety that I feel that I do, and the depression that tries to creep in and it does, it's not as strong after I've been in His presence. When I can compare them to the love that I've received from the Father. So right now, we're gonna respond. And hey, I really do believe this at all of our campuses, everyone should respond today. And you may say, Zach, what do I write? Some of you guys know what you're supposed to write on the card. You already have that. God's already put it in your heart. But hey, what lie have you believed? I have a small group full of worship pastors and, and, and leaders and all this stuff. And I asked this question this week in group. Hey, what lie have you believed? Everybody had one. Everybody. What lie have you believed from the enemy? It's time to write it down and take that lie and put it at the feet of the most true thing about you that you were bought with a price on that cross. It is time to walk away with that identity, not the identity of this lie. And you know what else some of us need to do? Some of us need to come and stand in the gap for people who aren't here. For our mom or our dad, our brother or our sister, our son or our daughter, somebody that we love who's far from God. We need to stand in the gap. We need to kneel down at the altar and be broken. That the spirit of depression and anxiety is what's run their life, not the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray, <coughs> and we're going to respond. Please, be obedient today. Let's pray. Let's respond. Let's worship freely. God, we come before you right now, and we just ask that in this moment that we would respond, that we would come to the cross, that we would lay down this lie, this lie. God, let us be free. Let us be free today of anxiety. Let us be free today of depression. And send us on a mission to free our world around us, to win the world to you, Jesus, please. Holy Spirit, we're, we're so expected to see you move. There's some people right now who feel there's doubt that they can overcome what it is in their life. Would they give you a chance? Come forward, pray. Look at the cross as they drop that lie. And Holy Spirit, would you meet them right there? Today's the day a new life begins. In your precious name we pray. Amen. When you're ready, respond. Let's pray. Let's worship.